is marching on. Governor West of uh, South Carolina dedicated a ceremonial bathroom in Carolina in a drive to bring plumbing to South Carolina. Look at that large, eh? Thank <laughs> you. 
tonight we must consider the case of Lella Begley, a name which probably means nothing to you. Lella Begley and her children in Milan, Michigan. There are mysterious things afoot. Poor Lella Begley and her children. They will never run out of shoes because an unidentified man has been dumping shoes behind their house for one year. <laughs> the shoe fiend strikes again. And now the gigantic pile of footgear reaches as high as three feet deep, 50 yards long, and 10 to 15 yards wide. Gigantic pile of shoes. And every night, this unidentified shoe freak sneaks up and dumps another load in their backyard. All Mrs. Begley knows is that a man asked if he could dump shoes behind her house a year ago. He then brought truckloads of them until about two months ago. And now he's dumping in the night. She has no idea what it's about. Now she has a thick drift of shoes six, seven feet deep in some places. 30 to 40 feet wide. And it's a gigantic river of brand new shoes flowing out. Brand new shoes flowing out towards the alley. Curiously enough, as Sherlock Holmes would say, the Begleys don't seem to mind. Well, my husband left me, and I've got a couple of little ones around here, and I figured I could get some shoes for school that would kind of help out. Most of the shoes are new, and some are a little worn around the edges, and occasionally there's only just a left shoe, but now we have, well, we guess now about maybe 30,000, 40,000 shoes. started to come around, hundreds of people at night rummaging through the piles looking for shoes for themselves. And Mrs. Begley said, Well, I had to put a stop to that. They were trampling through my strawberry patch and tossing shoes under the porch. The shoe freak strikes again. Hold it there. Hold it. That's a mysterious... I, I think I have a... I think I have a solution to that. I've been thinking about that ever since I read about it. Wait, wouldn't that be a fantastic half-hour show on TV in color? You know, it, it, it opens up with nice this nice lady, Mrs. Begley, see, sitting in the kitchen, and she's serving uh, Fruit Loops to the kids. You know, typical nice little Midwestern scene. This happened in Milan, Michigan, in case you're curious. A strange, mysterious place anyway. And the kids are sitting there, you know, Mommy, I want my Fruit Loops. And the Fruit Loops are coming. And then the camera slowly dollies. See, it's, it's, uh, she's bringing out the Fruit Loops or the, or the Choco Pops or the Count Draculas or whatever it is they're eating, you know. What's the name of that cereal anyway? You know, the Dracula cereal? You know what that is? You ever seen that? Yeah. Dingleberries. No, it's not dingleberries. <laughs> Ghoulberries. Stop it. Uh, so 
Here, the, the camera slowly dollies to the left. See, it swings to the left. And there you see the back door. There's a window. And you can't figure out what it is out there. At first, it looks like a, a sheer cliff behind their house. And then the camera slowly, slowly begins to come into focus. And you see there's an enormous wall of shoes advancing on the, on the beggars, even as the kids eat their Fruit Loops and their Count Choculas and a great, tremendous glacier of shoes is slowly creeping up. Now, you know the shoe has been known to cause fetishes of one kind or another, you know? Oh, yes. Now, it has been truly said, and well said, that America has a hair fetish. Just the way China years ago had a foot fetish. You know, they'd bind feet, make little three-inch feet and all that. Itsy bitsy little cute little feet, you know, three and a half inches long, you know. Well, America has a hair fetish that doesn't stop. But maybe due to the fact that we now have a new Chinese influence, we're moving into a shoe. I don't know, a foot thing. Out there, big there. I was thinking about that scene. You know how my mind, it never stops. Never stops. It's kind of discouraging, I might say, to have a mind that never stops. I've always had kind of envied people who seem to have the kind of mind that never starts. You know, it would be kind of good if I could stop my mind once in a while. You just sit like a, you know, just sit like a bullhead. You know, you know what is it, a bullhead? You know, they kind of fish with the thing sticking out the front and all that. And uh, they eat uh, worms. Like, well, I've tried worms, but didn't stop my mind, not for long. And uh, I just wish that I could... Uh, I could just turn off my mind, see, so it doesn't think these things. I've noticed the most successful people I know in this world, their mind hardly ever puts anything together. They just sort of sit and grin with that... Just a grin. It's some kind of a... It's on the tip of my tongue. It's a... Something eating grin. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it before. That's the trouble. See, I keep thinking of the great phrases after the show, you know? And uh, you know how it is. And I wish I could stop my mind. Just, you know, pull a plug and sit there like a clod, a klutz, and eat my Twinkies in peace and belch once in a while, you know, wash it down with a little Rheingold and just sit there, sit there and watch the Mets, you know. I'll hey, Ed, crane pull. Come on, when are you going to start swinging the bat? You know, what kind of... Oh, yes, that's the trouble with we uh, scintillating intellectuals, you know. We constantly admire the... Uh, the noble savage. <laughs> oh, well, it's not easy. It really isn't. But I have a theory about those shoes now. Have you ever looked in your closet? Well, what's at the bottom of your closet? That's right. I've known guys whose closet slowly filled up with old shoes until finally they couldn't have any clothes in there anymore, you know. <laughs> shoes just piled up. And all tangled up. I mean, just in, fantastic. And each each pair of shoes was a was a really a, uh, an inspiration when they were bought. Oh wow! Red, white, and blue wedgies. Oh wow! Wait, look at that with a new vinyl eighteen inch heel. Oh man! And you know you wore it once. And you teetered down the street, and uh, you know you discovered that it gave you cramps in the calves of your leg, made your ears hurt. People openly laughed on the street. And by the way, I saw a great pixie tonight. You, you want to hear, you know, the, I, I'd like to report the pixie of the week. Well, I saw one tonight. 
male type. Although that's, you know, that's that's up for grabs. And uh, he had this knit hat, the kind like my grandmother wore, you know, with a knit, with a knit, uh, knit, yeah, knit, like you knit, you know, with the needle things, you know, a knit hat that came down, and it was white. It was a knit hat, but it had a, a knit brim that came all the way around. It was a knit hat. My grandmother wore hats like that, and it had knit uh, roses. I think they were roses. It might have been a kind of a bad imitation of a geranium or something, but they were pink flowers on the side, see? And he had what looked like, uh, was it very curious, since he was male, he had what looked like a, a pink knit bikini top on the tops. He was, uh, didn't have much to hide, but he was doing it, you know, he was hiding it. And uh, his stomach was kind of a protruding one, large growth of hair. And... Uh, that's too bad, you know. He, he might have carried it a little further and had it braided, but, you know, there's giant masses of hair sticking out all over the place. And he was wearing the cutest pair of blue jeans you've seen in years, fellas. Just so cute. They they were they were wonderfully, just delightfully, uh, uh, well, they were faded just right. And he had a wonderful CPO patch sewn on his cute little bottom. And it was just so sweet. And, uh, and uh, more than that, though, he was wearing white vinyl wedgies with bells on the toes. And it was kind of discouraging, you know. He was standing in line at the International. And, uh, and you know, there were people around there. And, and uh, uh, you know, it just uh, kind of added a little touch of color. That's what I like, color in, in life, you know. Just a little movement here and there. Speaking of color, uh, it's a station break time, and I think you'll find this worth listening to. <laughs> this is one of my favorite sounds, man. Don't tell her where you live, that man. Powerful, powerful station with a 50 kilowatt smile. <laughs> <laughs> was George Brown. In his younger days. And now, if, if you wonder what in the devil that insanity is, that that's a 25, to, what is it, more than that. That was a, a station break from 1945. And uh, we took it out of one of the old archives here. I mean, I guess all archives are old, aren't they? I mean, by definition, right? Redundancy, by curses. Uh, wait a minute, speaking of redundancy, do we have a, do we have a couple of commercials in there? Get, it, get, get ready in there. Start laying it on them. <laughs> All right, hit the button, please, if you will. I regard this long and sickening involvement of the United States in this conflict in Southeast Asia as the most immoral act in our national history. Winston Churchill once said that courage is rightly esteemed the first of human qualities because it's the one that guarantees all others. When I think of that, I think of George McGovern. Why is it? that this killing has to continue. The courage that I spoke of was the courage to speak out in his conscience about the course that we were following in Southeast Asia. He was an early voice giving forth a view that was not popular at the time because that's what he felt in his conscience. The McGovern for President Committee believes that Robert Kennedy's estimate of his colleague in 1968 is even truer today. That's why they paid for this message. And there's no way to end it except to end the war. 
Well, time for the uh, preceding political announcement was paid for by the McGovern for President Committee. Yes, sir. Let's see, we have another commercial here. Have you ever noticed how some supermarkets put their lowest price on a three-pound or over package of ground chuck? You probably noticed that. You wondered about that, eh? Some of the mysterious things, like the shoes sneaking up on the Begley house. And the way your feet are starting to hurt, you know, and your head buzzes. But the fine print says the price goes up when you buy the smaller size package you need, huh? Not at ShopRite. They're standing right there, holding your hand. They're, they're for you, you know? Not at ShopRite's True Value One Price Meat Department, where ground chuck costs only 85 cents a pound. You should have heard them holler when they ground him. No matter what the package weighs, poor chuck. Another True Value ShopRite feature is semi-boneless. Yes, sir. Semi-boneless beef bottom. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. That's This is ki- kids listen, you know? Semi-boneless beef bottom. Chuck pot roast or steak for the same low 79 cents a pound. You don't pay a premium to get the cuts of meat you want most. When you get these kinds of values at ShopRite today, why pay more? Okay, you got an echo chamber in there? All right, I'll give you the clue as to when I want it. You are now getting the cue. That was an actual sound of Chuck as they fed him into the grinder. Uh, yeah, what the hell? Never was much good, but he makes a hell of a hamburger. That's the first time cannibalism has crept into our show. It won't be the last. It's dog eat dog, man. This is New York. That's Chuck eat Fred in New York. It's tough. I'll tell you that. Let's see. It's hard to believe that, speaking of eating, it's hard to believe that a food like kasha, I mean, you just can't believe it can be hundreds of years old. Well, you know, that that is hard to believe. Kasha. Well, you know, it, it, how many of you know that they just invented corn late in the fall of 1937? When do you think Frankfurt is who invented? 1963. And kasha is hundreds of years old. You'd swear, you know, that it, they, they, you couldn't believe it. Well, Kasha is alive and well and making the scene big in your neighborhood supermarket, especially Wolf's Kasha. Got those two F's on the end there. That's that's uh, significant. Nutty-flavored little golden kernels of roasted buckwheat grain. That's what Kasha is. And, it uh, you know, it, it does everything for you. Clean living, logs of healthy vitamins and minerals. I, what do they mean by logs of healthy minerals and vitamins? Well, that's... I'm just, re- I don't, baby, I don't make the news, I only read it. And Wolf's Kasha is big on protein. It is not protein, in spite of what Walter Cronkite says. It is protein. Consult your local unabridged. And if you'd like a beautiful, illustrated uh, uh, cookbook on Wolf's Kasha, they have all kinds of great things like, uh, oh, Wolf's Kasha popsicles. they got wonderful things. You can make these things. They're just wonderful. You just write to Wolf's. That's with two Fs. Wolf's in care of M-E. It's a mysterious code. Wolf's in care of M-E. W-O-R, New York, 10018. For a free copy of Wolf's Kasha Cookbook. Kasha. Come here, sit upon my knee, little Kasha. Come, little Kasha, and we will speak. Oh, <laughs> Kasha, you have such, such, uh, such nice ears, Kasha. <laughs> ho, 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 ho. Oh, 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 hi, I love my Kasha, Kasha. Oh, 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 Kasha, yeah, yeah. Oh, ah, to fever of steam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hold it there, hold it there. Oh, you got all messed up. Kasha isn't German, is it? No. 
No, now we do have something German for you here. You got the Lufthansa spot? Quick, quick, quick. Don't Waller's still quivering. I beg your pardon, madame. But may I speak to the Red Baron of Lufthansa German Airlines? You may inform him that the ambassador from the Republic of Marzipania is here. I'm sorry, sir, but the Red Baron is in Tokyo, hiring Japanese stewardesses who speak foreign languages for our Far Eastern routes. Nothing is too good for the uh, Red yeah. Baron's passengers. A Japanese well, I have come to launch protest with the Red Baron. His Lufthansa German Airlines flies to more than 66 countries in North America, South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa, even Australia. This is true. Lufthansa is one of the world's biggest airlines. Then why doesn't Lufthansa fly to my country, Marzipania? Mm. Right now, the only way in and out of Marzipania is by bus. And if I had not missed last week's bus, I would have been here sooner. Mr. Ambassador, just where is Marzipania? That's just why we want Lufthansa German Airlines to fly there. If anybody can find it, Lufthansa can. Marzipania, his accent is worse than mine. Marzipania. Oh, you've had Marzipania candy, haven't you? Marzipania. You make little grapes and little bananas and stuff out of it. Marzipania. Marzipania. Rinky dinky, Rudy tooty. Hey, we have one more, and then we're all through with the commercials for tonight. Isn't that goody, goody, goody? I knew. I, I, I figured that the, you know, you knew that if you hung on long enough, right, uh, the show would come back on. Wait, hold on a minute there. We're getting funny sounds here. Hello, test. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Hey, are you thinking about tires? What kind of a listener are you? You should be thinking about great thoughts instead of tires out there this hour. But if you're thinking about tires, think. Think, think radio. I mean, uh, think radio. Uh, you know. I'm going to, this is listener participation. Look right into the speaker now. Look carefully into the speaker there. Look right at me. I am speaking to you from your voice coil. I am speaking to you from your voice coil. You are beginning to feel drowsy. Oh, hell, I can't do that. You know what this commercial says in here? It says, hypnotize the audience and then lay it on them. The instructions here. I just have to read it to you straight. You know, think radio. Think dual steel radio from General Tire. You stop in at your General Tire headquarters. You mean I put half the audience to sleep with that? You mean it worked? Is there anybody out there that got hypnotized when I said, look into the... Look into the voice coil. You are feeling drowsy. Your hands are getting numb. Ah, your eyes are closing. You are falling asleep. You are falling asleep. Okay, we got rid of the goats. Now we can deal with the sheep. Did I put any of you asleep out there? Of course, I've probably been doing that for years. Uh, yeah, oh, yes, if you want to find out about these fantastic General Tire radios in Freeport, wherever that is, is that Freeport? That can't be Freeport. Down in the islands down there in the Bahamas? Says it, oh, I see, Long Island? Oh, in Freeport, ask for John or Jack Miles. J&J Miles Rubber Company, 160 East Merrick Road. I knew that you'd, you'd do that for us. Achachonia. Hey, you know that, uh, you know, speaking about that, I have seen, uh, you know, I've seen some pretty scene, pretty wild scenes uh, with hypnotism. Really have. Did I ever tell you, what happened? Did I hypnotize somebody? 
Huh? Wait a minute. Let's get this. We want to get this straight from the producer here. Yes. Yes, little Lee. Of course I did. Of course I did. I, I talked about J&J &J Miles. Well, being on the phone is no excuse. I mean, for heaven's sakes, take the potatoes out of your ears, honey, and make like the listeners. Listen. Oh, Chachonia. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, though, all kidding aside, if I, if I may. You know, yeah, we'll do it straight here. We'll do it straight. I remember one time in talking about that, great radio shows that I have been around. I think there's been so many wild shows. All right, I'll ask you a question now. I'll have a piece of trivia here. One of the big top TV shows, you know, recently they did a thing on TV, you know, saluting 25 years of television. And they, they really didn't, you know. That, that bugged me. All they did was uh, salute the top comics. And stuff. That's about all they did. But the top, the really top TV shows never even got mentioned. Which, uh, but for one thing, they didn't even mention John Cameron Swayze. John Cameron Swayze, who created, literally, Walter Cronkite. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was the Cronkite of his day. John Cameron Swayze and the news. Good night. And uh, yeah, he had that great thing. You know, what he, you know that flower he had in his buttonhole? How many of you know that that flower in a, in a, had a rubber tube attached to it that went down to a foot treadle? And whenever, you know, whenever the show was over and, and he wanted to play funnies with the camera, he'd just tramp on that thing and it would squirt on their camera. Sometimes he'd squirt ink. Sometimes, you know, he'd squirt the... <laughs> but, the, you know, there's great TV shows. Do you remember... All right, I'll, I'll give you a brass figgy with bronze oak leaf palm. If any of you can tell me it was one of the top ten shows for maybe a year or two. And it... Uh, it... Uh, starred a clairvoyant. A clairvoyant. And he would go down in the audience. I mean, there's a whole hour or something. It was a big deal, see? And he would go down in the audience. He says, I see a woman. Would you please raise your hand? Don't say anything to me now. Ah, yes. You have a husband named... Uh, let me think, let me think. It's coming to me. It's uh, Clifford. Yes. Your husband is named Clifford. And you have in your purse... Please don't open your purse, madam. You have in your purse, I see it now, I see it now, it is a, it is a little Orphan Annie secret decoder pin. Huh, I haven't seen one of those in years. You have a little Orphan Annie secret. And your name is, uh, here it's coming now, Glock, 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 uh, Glock, Glockenspiel. Yes, that's it. Is that correct, madam? Ah, uh, the mysterious things of the mind. One does not know what forces exist out in the great void of the beyond. And now, in just a moment, after this word from the Alpo Dog Food Commercial Company, we will return with another majestic feat. But right, who was it? What was that show? It was a fantastic show. Everybody sat around and watched it. And, uh, you know, they did everything but levitation on it. What was the show? No, 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 no. They're both wrong. Both wrong. This was a big network television show. It was not a little local piddling uh, you know, a little local ding-dong, five-minute show. No, no, this was a big... There you go, there you go, there you go. <laughs> All right, how many remember that one? Okay. So, so uh, and, and at the time, now I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, give you a little, I'll give you a little hint of why I know about that show. At the time, I was, I was going to school at the time. I, had a, I was going to college at the time, and I had a nighttime job and I was doing. I had a night show on TV. See, 
And and I was doing standby all the time when that show was on. See, I would sit in there, and we had this little sweat box of a standby announcer's booth. You know what you know what a standby booth is. Most of you probably don't even know, but a standby booth is a little thing that looks like a little tiny, totally non-ventilated uh, phone booth that's got a microphone in there, and it's got a it's got a monitor in it. See, and of course the monitor's always heating up. You sit in there and you sweat, and he's the guy that comes in and says. Uh, Channel 9, New York. Stay tuned for the million-dollar movie, which follows in just a moment. That's all he does, see, for a whole hour. Well, it's a very strenuous job, as you can tell, and it taxes the intellect a great deal to do that. And it takes fantastic talent to do it. And, uh, yeah, some some announcers who do those little breaks, they, they work for hours and do push-ups to get that, you know, to get them. They want somebody to hear that one pear-shaped tone. My God, did you hear that, man? Did you hear that? Did you hear the way he said, stay tuned? He said, fantastic. We need him. War and peace. He will play. Natasha, wonderful. <laughs> well, nevertheless, I'm sitting in there in this booth thing, and this this show with the with the, with the the uh, clairvoyant is on. And the, he's really clairvoying. You know, he's really running around the audience, and he, he would do things like this. Ah, you have a... He had a slight echo chamber. They put an echo chamber on his face. Give me a little slight. Ah, uh, you uh, have... have... No, that's too much. Just very slight. Hello. hello. That's even too much. Way very slight. Hello. Yeah, hello. Hello. That's it. He would say, I feel that you have a question. Concentrate. Ah, uh, yes, you want to know whether your husband has been seeing something or someone on the side. Is that correct, madam? The answer is yes. Yes, madam. He has been seeing someone on the side. He has been seeing... Wait, it's coming to me. He has been seeing a... Doberman Pinsir named Gladys. That's a strange... Is that correct? Madam, please do not cry, please. That used to do great things, yeah. And, and I'm sitting there, see, watching this thing. And it would be out for an hour. It was just, you know... And he's down in the audience, had a long, flowing mane of hair, and they do these close-ups, and these people would be out in the audience looking... You know, there's a certain kind of person who believes in that kind of thing. You know, they... Uh, they, they, they generally wear space shoes. You remember when they had space shoes? They wear those things, and uh, they generally were... Well, vegetarianism runs very close second to uh, clairvoyance in there. They, they, at the time, too, most of them believed in UFOs. You know, they hold all that. They, it runs into a, into a whole uh, kind of a, a pattern, see? And the camera would dolly in on these ladies. See, they, And they always wear these funny little pot-like hats and girls with hand-knit... Uh, Mexican skirts uh, that they'd make out of a burlap bag, and there's a whole thing going. Anyway, there was this this one night. I don't know what he did, see, but he he really got him going because they dollied in on him, and he is looking right at the camera while he is working on a a uh, what do they call him in that business? I, they don't call him patients. He is working on a uh, he's not a client, a subject. That's it. They're a subject, see, and the. His assistant, there was always a, an assistant running around out in the, out the outskirts, see, and you hear the assistant uh, say, uh, uh, Mr. Clairvoyant, we have a lady here in the third row. We have a lady in the third row. Would you uh, 
Cleese, uh, Mr. Clairvoyant, uh, she has a question, and she wants to ask your advice. And then the camera dollies in on him, seeing his face. He had this great face with these beetling brows and these tremendous piercing eyes. Give me a little spooky music, will you please? His, eye, his eyeballs are bulging, and the camera's picking him right up in a full face. And he's looking right out on the monitor at me. See, and I'm sitting in this, this damn little phone booth, sweating my ears off. It's really hot in there. I've been, in, I've been sitting in there since about noon, and now it's about 10 o'clock at night. You know, in some of these little dinky television stations, you may put in 20, 30, 50, 50 hours a night, you know. I'm sitting there watching this guy. He's looking right out at me. And he says, I want you. I want you to put your mind. I want you to put your mind in my hands. Concentrate. Concentrate on your problems. Ah, yes, I see. It is coming clear now. Madam, your question involves your love life. I want you to concentrate. I want you to concentrate. Madam, the answer to your question is... No. Well, I'm sitting in there, see? Looking right at me. I'm concentrating. And for about two weeks, I've been thinking over and over and over again, solidly, constantly. I've been thinking. This place is driving me out of my damn bird. Eat. Start. If I do this one more week, I'm going to kill myself. I'm losing my mind. Then I'm going out of my head. Tar. All I ever say, week after week after week, is WLW Cincinnati. What the hell kind of a career is that? And I don't know why, but suddenly in my mind it said, I'm going to go into the boss's office... At 12.55, five minutes after I get my paycheck on Friday afternoon, and I'm going to kill myself right in front of him. Just then, the clairvoyant said, no, no. my eyes bulging. I heard his voice say, no, no. By God, I knew I had gotten a sign. I had gotten a sign. I stood up straight. I blew my nose. Stuck another stick of gum in my mouth. Walked out tall. He was right. I did not kill myself. Which proves that clairvoyance, we know, 
By the way, I suspect that he is the reason why I survived. And now be devil you. So these things all connect together. My life, your life, and even if a sparrow falls in Poncatella, Idaho, tiny ripples will move across the vast stream of time. And in a microscopic yet significant way, rock the rowboat of your life. <laughs> I am the devil. I am the devil. I speak for all the forces of evil. Nay, indeed, I am the forces of evil. And I say unto you, you are doomed. Doomed! <laughs> oh, gee, that was kind of nice. I'm just la-da-da-dee-dee-dee-dee. That was tonight's salute to AT&T. And uh, it's kind of exciting, wasn't it? I tell you. But uh, that night, uh, at this uh, clairvoyant, you don't know his name? Yeah, you mean one guy called up with it? It was several. All right. His name was Dunninger. That is correct, Dunninger. And uh, I can even re remember, for some crazy reason, the network he was on. You know, speaking about television, how many of you have seen that commercial... You know the the Esso commercial. There's a new TV on, a spot on Esso where the uh, they go to the Television Hall of Fame. Have you seen that great one? And they're bringing back out of retirement the Esso Tiger. Remember that great old Tiger? And here he is sitting around in the Hall of Fame, retired. You know? Did you know that there's a place down outside of Sarasota, Florida, where all the great television uh, symbols, the great uh, advertising symbols? have retired, the ones they're not using, you know, that are gone. Well, you don't think for a minute that uh, that Mr. Clean, remember that great old Mr. Clean would come in through the kitchen wall, all that stuff? Remember him? Well, you don't think that he just disappeared. He's down there, you know, with all the rest of them. And uh, taking it easy, down there with Dick Stark and, and that whole crowd. They're, they're hanging around. And I'd like to ask you a question. How many of those great uh, television advertising symbols do you recognize from the Hall of Fame? <laughs> you know, they're all there, and they're all retired. You know, it's kind of kind of nice and warm to know that uh, that uh, that these people, you know, these because to many people, I'm serious. To me, for example, when 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 people come up, I, I hate to tell you this, but a famous television and and a movie critic here about a year ago called me up, and this lady writes a column. And uh, she, you know, she's supposed to be a very famous uh, movie critic and all. She writes for New York and all, you know. And she said, uh, uh, I'm uh, just doing a little poll here for the column, and I want to know who your uh, favorite movie star was when you were a kid. Who was your favorite movie star? Well, I envy guys like Woody Allen, whose favorite movie star was uh, Humphrey Bogart. I couldn't give a damn about Humphrey Bogart one way or the other, you know. And, uh, and I, I envy people whose favorite movie star was Betty Davis. 
I was a little embarrassed to tell her who my favorite movie star was. You know who it was? I, I'm very serious. I'm not kidding you. And I would flip. I would go any place he was playing. The only movie star I ever followed. Pluto Pup. I, for some reason or other, I had a real thing on Pluto Pup. And there was another character I, I really loved and was Clarabelle Cow. And uh, you remember Clarabelle Cow and Pluto Pup? Well, Pluto Pup is never mentioned when they talk about great movie stars of the past. And uh, she got kind of mad, you know. She says, come on, now play it straight, will you? Who was your favorite movie star? I said, Pluto Pup. She said, I can't put that in the column. You know, everybody's saying Humphrey Bogart, and they're saying Betty Davis. Oh, I says, come on. I'll bet 10 to 1. I said, I'll bet 10 to 1, and I'll bet this right now, that most of the people, if you were really honest about who their favorite movie stars were at the time, they wouldn't say Humphrey Bogart or Betty Davis. They would say Donald Duck. I mean, Donald Duck had everybody by, you know, the place where it hurts. And uh, and so I tried to tell her that. I said, look, if it wasn't Pluto Pup, I like Donald Duck. And she says, you know, she laughed one of those nasty laughs that lady columnists have. <laughs> you know, she hung up. And I'm not going to make that column, I'm sure. You know, all the, you know, all of, all the celebrities are going to come up with real names. They're going to say, like, Wayne Morris. You know, Sonny Tufts, all those great names. Oh, yeah, yeah, now it's very hip to be Sonny Tufts fans now. It's getting to be hip. That's all part of the negativism of our time, you know, the inverse snobbery. To say, well, my favorite movie star was, uh, was, uh, was, uh, the, the middle, uh, uh, the middle, um, uh, Larry, the guy with the funny hair, uh, uh, was, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> my, my favorite movie star was, uh, was the guy that played the desk clerk in all those movies. You know, the one with the bald head. The woman say, we ain't got no rooms. That was a great performer. That's the big thing. But uh, seriously, though, my favorite movie star really was Pluto Pup. You know, they changed his name, though, later. Pluto Pup, what did he become? Oh, there, how about that for a... For a uh, no. Pluto Pup's name was changed. And I was, I was, you know, really disillusioned. They changed his name. You mean you didn't know that? Oh, yeah. Apparently a lot of devil worshippers got mad. You know, Pluto is another name for the devil. You understand that? Probably Disney didn't know it. And uh, he was really doing great as Pluto Pup. And then all of a sudden they came along and changed it to what? I will give you a clue. It is D.D. Now, I'm asking you real questions about our culture. And you sit in there with that dumb look on your face. Hey, you know. I mean, I know it's natural, but you shouldn't use it here. I mean, you're making everybody unhappy, huh? I hate to see a grown producer cry. Would you please bring it up? <laughs> you mean none of you remember Dippy Dog? Yeah, that changed his name. And there was another one. They called him Hound or something. Come on. Not Huckleberry Hound. That was another one. That was a rival. And he tried to make it. You know, there were a lot of second-rate bogarts. But you don't remember Huckleberry Hound? What the hell do you remember? Well, this is W... Yeah, that's right, it is. This is WOR New York by George. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's dance. 